The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Hello and welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about a very important topic today. It's stress. I actually love talking about stress, and I hope you do too. Keep in mind the name of this show is Busy Stressed and Food Obsessed, which is also the name of the book that I wrote. So this is clearly something that I think about a lot. But I also work with many, many women out there, and I know they're thinking about it a lot too, because all of us are leading these busy, stressful lives. The word stress itself is something that is used to describe a feeling that can stem from so many situations. Think about it. It makes perfect sense for us to be stressed about money, health, safety. But why on earth do we get stressed about trying to find a parking spot? Or at a networking event? Or even if we're just running late? Think about it. What do you stress about on a daily basis? Today, we're going to delve a little bit deeper on these questions. But before we do that, I need to do a shameless plug. I want to take one moment and tell you about my online program, Eat to Thrive, because it's starting this upcoming Tuesday, the 17th of January, and it's designed to take away your food stress. We give up sugar, dairy, soy, gluten, and alcohol just for a week to see how we feel and figure out our own personal triggers. It's a great way to jumpstart back to clean eating. If you want to know more, just text 44144 and enter the word healthy and you'll be sent all the information. Remember that's 44144. It's filling up so fast. Text that number, enter the word healthy, don't hesitate. And if you forget that, you can always visit me at healthyhappyandhip.com. Okay, let's get back to stress. My guest today is Kathy Groover, PhD. She's an award-winning author and hosts the national TV show, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet. Kathy has authored five books, including Conquer Your Stress with Mind-Body Techniques, which what we'll be talking about today. She's been a featured expert in just about everything from glamour, fitness, time, more, Wall Street Journal, CNN, WebMD, Prevention, Huffington Post, Yahoo.com, you name it, she has been a featured expert in that place. But what I love about Kathy is she likes doing flying trapeze and hip-hop dance. How cool is that? Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. I appreciate it. Kathy, I always like to start with five ask every question, ask every guest questions. Okay. So Kathy, what did you have for breakfast today? I had sausage, a hard-boiled egg, and a banana. What is your favorite form of exercise? Dance. What's a habit you're either trying to break or add to your life? 
I need to be more consistent in my meditation. Uh, and that is definitely one of those habits that I started out not particularly good at. So it's uh, probably on my list of challenges to do consistently. I hear that one a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, do, how do you spend the first hour of your day? Uh, pet the cats, pet the husband, eat breakfast, get on the computer. <laughs> and who is someone in your life that inspires you? Uh She's no longer with us, but Catherine Hepburn was a huge idol of mine. So now we have to move that on to Meryl Streep, I think. Amen. Uh-huh. Love her. So talking about stress, Kathy, what exactly is stress? Yeah, stress is a feeling that demands are going to exceed our resources. And it's a threat, real or imagined. And I love what you said in the opening about, uh, you know, it makes sense to stress about safety and money and things like that. But why are we stressing about the traffic? Why are we stressing about these things we can't control? And that's the key, that stress is something that is out of our control. And being that it's out of our control... If we try to control it, it's just going to drive us even more crazy. So we have to control the things we can, which is our response to these things, our reaction to those things. But so obviously, you know, we're wired for flight or fight, fight or flight response and all that for those things that we mentioned. But what's happened? Like, where did we go wrong that we get into that mode all the time, literally all day long, that we're living 24-7 in stress mode? Yeah, we're still, we still have that lizard brain, that limbic system that is the alarm of, I'm in danger, I need to fight, flee, or freeze. And that allowed us to survive till this point as a species. Uh, You know, we needed that. We needed that when the bear was chasing us and when we were hunting for our food, that sort of thing. And what that type of stress was, was a very short-lived experience. You'd run from the bear, hopefully you were safe, everything would return to normal, all the hormones would go back, everything would change, and we'd actually go to sleep. Well, now we don't have this big dynamic stressor that then fades away. We have a lot of little things, sometimes a lot of big things, beating at us at all times. So we don't have time for those hormones to go back to normal and that rest state to happen. And that's really detrimental to us because we don't need to be in that alarm state all the time. You know, somebody walks up to you and says hi and you jump out of your skin because you're so hypersensitive to, you know, to all this stress around us. So though it really helped us survive to this point, and we still do need that, you know, if you're walking down a dark street and you hear someone come up behind you, uh, you know, that's something we need. But in the daily, daily mental stresses, we don't need that. And we don't need, we're not even aware that we're going through that most of the time. I think so many of us walk around in this kind of daze thinking that, you know, oh my God, that guy's a jerk. When in reality, we're just so, you know, wired up with all this stress from everything that's been going on that we just snap all the time on crazy things. Yep. So what do you think, you know, there's that old saying, some of us thrive on stress. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think that is absolutely true. I think some of us are wired to look more towards the negative. And I've actually been talking to a lot of people about that right now, how some people wake up in the middle of the night with these horrible thoughts that they can't erase. And others don't have that problem, even though they might have the same quote stressors. Um, And I think, others really get a thrill out of that stress. You know, there's the the drama queens and the crazy makers and the people who, like me, who just want to get on a trapeze or want to try skydiving or, you know, want to do that kind of adventurous thing to give you that little charge. Uh, I think it really depends on how we're wired, our chemical makeup, and also the, the modeling that we've had from our parents. 
Yeah, I call us adrenaline junkies. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I remember, for example, my parents, you know, if there wasn't real stress going on, they created stress going on. And I know that I do that and so many other people do that as well. You know, we feel like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed about this or that, like silly little things. Why do we do that? You know, I think it has to do with our wiring. I think there's, you know, our brain's job is to protect us. So if it feels in any way, if it detects in any way there's going to be a threat to us, its job is to respond to protect us. And thank goodness, you know, but having said that, we pay more attention to those negative things than the positive things just in our brain response. So if you're about to cross the street and I scream no, you respond quicker to that no than if I say, hey, Lisa, how you doing? That takes longer to process. Uh, We have to pay attention and be sensitive to those negative things. But the problem now is we're making so much of that negative stuff up in our head. You know, it's not a bear jumping out at us. It's these what ifs. These, what if my daughter gets sick? What if that lump is cancer? What if my boss fires me tomorrow? You know, we're creating these things that we don't even know are true. And that's what's stressing us out. So we're making up our own stress. And I think that's the biggest problem. It's, it's, we've got enough coming from outside of ourselves. Now we're making it up. I totally agree. I think that's huge. I think that we don't know how not to be stressed because we're stressed so much that when we're actually free of stress, we don't know what to do with ourselves. Right, exactly. And also you figure we get, um, there's a lot of secondary gain for being stressed and there's, it's become a badge of honor. Uh, I actually contributed to an article about that. They said, you know, do people use their stress level as, well, look how busy I am. I'm so stressed out, you know, or as an excuse to not function. Yeah, I do a whole day retreat on that topic. You know, we call it the busy badge of honor. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, is that really good for us? Um, I don't know that it is. And and I get caught up in that, too. You know, I'm probably one of the busiest people I know, but I like it that way. Um, I thrive in that state where a lot of people would completely lose their mind trying to keep up with what I do all day. Uh, there are days it's too much and I have to stop. Uh, but usually that's just how I thrive. Um, we all have a different level of what feels good to us and what doesn't. Some people are not going to join me uh, 30 feet in the air on the trapeze. They don't want to ride the roller coaster. They don't want to watch the scary movie. And that's great. We have to learn what our levels are and really respect those in ourselves and the people around us and stick to that. So, so true. And speaking of that, you know, there's that little point where we go from adrenaline and feeling great from stress to when we begin suffering from stress. And this is a huge topic in itself, just the signs that we are suffering and then what we do about it. Yeah, you know, and there's a litany of signs. And I think it's so important that we recognize those in ourselves and in the people around us, because our body is very good at hitting homeostasis. It's very good at trying to keep us in that balanced place. So the more our stress rises, and the more we start to have these negative effects, the more the body says, okay, I guess this is the new normal. I guess we're supposed to not be sleeping. And I guess we're supposed to be grinding our teeth. And I guess we're supposed to have shoulder tension. And I guess we're supposed to have, you know, and we start to have all these signs that we then, because we've had them so long, headache for six months, sure, that just becomes normal. You know, you actually want to check on those things and you want to pay attention to your body. And that's one of the things that I advise everybody to do is check in with yourself. You know, just like when you get a rental car, they want you to walk around it and check off what it looks like now and what it sounds like now so that if something happens, you can let them know. Uh, You need to do that with your body too. You need to know 
Does my jaw normally feel like that? Does that mole look different? You know, and we can't gauge our health and our illness if we don't know what our baseline is. So in looking at our stress response, I think we have to check in and see what is our normal and is that okay? Uh, We need to know. So how do you recommend doing that? Like a body scan, you know, through meditation or are there other ways to check in with ourselves? Yeah, I think we just need to take, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. You need don't need a diagram. And I mean, you can, there's some great like daily journals with a little outline of the man where you can actually keep track of what's happening in your body. And being that I'm a Capricorn and I love filling out forms and putting things in boxes, I love that. Uh, you don't have to, but just check in just two minutes a day, whether it's two minutes before you get out of bed or two minutes where you're in the shower or where you're brushing your teeth. You know, you, we always have two minutes where we can just put our focus into our body and say, what's happening? How am I doing? Uh, because if we don't know, no one else is going to know. And if we don't know, we can't tell anybody how we're doing. And when our doctor asks us a question and we throw our hands up and go, oh, that's not helpful. That doesn't help any of us be healthier. You know, it's so true. And and personally, years ago, I was a tech entrepreneur that crashed and burned because I didn't listen to my body. And I'm a huge advocate of listening to your body. And personally, I start every morning when I'm meditating of doing a check-in, checking in how is my body feeling? How are my emotions feeling? How am I today? And that tiny little thing keeps me in check because I'm always afraid that I'm going to go too far and crash and burn again. And I can't let that happen. So I have found that personally an amazing, amazing tool. Any other tools we can be using to monitor the stress in our lives? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we just have to check in and look and see what's different. And we can also, if we have a partner or a trusted friend who we can say, hey, you know, if you start to see me losing my mind, (laughs) tell me so that I know and I can make changes. Uh, I think it's important to have a team as well. Uh, So I think it's really good to, to check in with friends and say, how do you think I'm doing? And what about our words? How do our own words and language affect our stress? Oh, geez, huge. It's estimated we have about 60,000 thoughts a day and that 50,000 of those are negative. Uh, that's a huge amount of thoughts. And with every thought, we form new connections. So, uh, you know, if we're thinking negative things, it's going to lead to more and more negative things. And it's really hard to say stop thinking things. Uh, you know, that's it's difficult to do. But what we can do is we can change those thoughts. So if we find ourselves having negative thoughts, we can try affirmations, we can visualize, we can make an effort to say, oh, I'm going back to that negative cycle of thinking. What can I do to have a pattern interrupt to stop worrying about this thing that I don't even know if it's going to happen and bring myself back to that present moment? And I think that's one of the keys is not so much trying to stop these things because it's hard, but trying to change them. And that will come over time. It takes practice, just like the meditation and, and getting into a new exercise program. If we're going to honor our bodies by doing our crunches and drinking our water and knowing what our BMI is, we have to do that with our minds and our spirits as well. I love that. Can you give an example? Like walk us through that process, you know, your, from the bad thought to how you would reframe it to how you would get past it? Absolutely. I have clients all the time say things like, oh, I think I'm getting sick. Oh, no, I'm getting sick. Uh Oh, I get sick every time this year. I better get the flu shot. I'm going to get sick. My kid's sick. I'm going to get sick. You know, we reiterate this. I'm going to get sick thing. And that drives me crazy because you're just you're 
depleting your immune system by saying that. So changing that thought to, I am healthy and well. My immune system is strong and resilient. Um, I can battle this cold. You know, whatever it is, uh, keeping it in the present, keeping it short, and keeping it positive. You can do affirmations with anything. I am prosperous and abundant. I am surrounded by loving and supportive friends. My job is fulfilling and satisfying. It doesn't necessarily change the outside sort, you know, things, though some people believe, you know, if you watch The Secret or What the Bleep Do We Know, that we can affect those outside things. If nothing else, it affects us stops that stress response and that leads to so much more health and we can boost our immune system by and change things in our physiology by doing affirmations you know i I like that because i do affirmations every morning with breakfast but i think there's something so powerful about literally taking it out of your back pocket at that moment that you actually need it you know when those thoughts come ah i have this i have this ready so do you recommend your clients to actually keep a list of affirmations on hand so that when those thoughts come, they're just ready. Yep, absolutely. There's a whole worksheet for that. Put them around your office, put them on the window, you know, the the dashboard of your car, put them on the mirror when you're getting ready in the morning. Remind yourself how fabulous you are and that you don't have to worry about these things that probably aren't going to happen anyway. It's just self-defeating and you're really doing hazardous things to your health by thinking that way. I think that's something that people don't realize is that our thoughts can be just as detrimental to our health as the food, you know, physical pain, all those other things that our thought patterns are just have such a huge impact on our body. I agree. I agree. We have to, we have to look at that, that, that three-legged stool of body, mind, and spirit. And we know when our bodies are broken. We can feel that. We see that. We're not so sure when our thoughts and and when our spirit isn't functioning as well. I think we have to do that inventory and really look at ourselves. Take, take notes if you need to. Start journaling. But the affirmations are one of my favorite tools. Kathy, this is fascinating. When we get back from the great from the break, we're going to talk about how to tame those stress monsters. Be back shortly. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. 
To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to busy, stressed, and food obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Kathy Groover, author of Conquer Your Stress with Mind-Body Techniques. And before the break, we were talking about how our words have such an impact on the stress in our body. And Kathy, you state in your book that stress is by far the biggest disease we're facing. Is stress really a disease? Yeah, I think it is. And and a lot of people consider it that. It is a leading to about 60 to 90% of our doctor's visits right now. And it's underlying so many things because even if you've got a physical illness, so much of it can be pinpointed to stress kicking it off, stress exacerbating it, stress making your pain worse, stress certainly making mental illness worse. Things like depression and anxiety are definitely linked to stress levels. I think if we could help tame that, like you said, tame that monster, I think we're going to see less sickness. I I really do. Um, The fact that they're, you know, they're saying so many of our doctor's visits are from stress-related illness. That's 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 huge. And that's not only a drain on our system, it's also so unfortunate for the people dealing with that. You know, I do a lot of public speaking and I've spoken to a lot of cancer centers and uh, I'm about to go to the Scleroderma Foundation, the Arthritis Foundation, things like that. And when I say, how many of your symptoms are made worse by stress, every hand in the room goes up. So even if it's not causing the disease or the illness, it is certainly not helping. <laughs> So we need to we need to find a way to to get a better handle on it. You know, it's funny because I grew up with all these with all these all these all these mystery ailments, and I always forget again, it's again, just again. stress. It's just stress. And so I grew up thinking, oh, what's the big deal? It's just stress. And I'm so happy that we're finally realizing that it is not just stress. That stress is such a huge, dangerous factor in our health. Now, there was something else I read in your book called your How to Stay Sick list. And I, I love that. Can you share some of those sayings on that list with us? Yeah, absolutely. This actually came out of one of the first lectures I did where I did this whole workshop on how to just be sick and miserable. And I illustrated health through pointing out all these negative things that we tend to do that we don't even think about until it's kind of thrown up in your face like this. Um, just a couple of them are, uh, don't relax. After all, you're very busy. Uh, remember, there are never, ever any options for the future. Never laugh. It's for idiots. Focus on all of your problems. Uh, put yourself down at every turn. You truly are all those negative things you say. Uh, tell everyone how useless you are. Hold on to negative emotions. Don't eat stretch, uh, Don't eat right, stretch, drink enough water, poop, exercise, or get any body work done. Eat too fast when you're stressed and upset. Don't bother chewing. You know, so I just kind of went through and illustrated all these negative things that some of us tend to do. And I've had a lot of people read that list and go, oh, geez, that's me. <laughs> I, I got a really good kick out of it. You guys, you should get the book just to read that list. It's really, it's really fun. And we do have to laugh at ourselves because we take our own, some of our own little stresses like the traffic light and we build them up to be so ridiculously important when they're so not. Yeah. So let's talk about meditation and mindfulness and and what exactly they are to you and how they help. 
Yeah, meditation and mindfulness, they've kind of been lumped into the same category. They're actually two different things. There is certainly a mindfulness meditation, uh, but mindfulness just on its own is going about a task with purpose, curiosity, using all of your senses, and not allowing other thoughts to intrude. So you can do any task mindfully. Some people do a mindful meal once a week where you are truly tasting your food and smelling your food. It's eaten in silence. You engage all of your senses. It normally takes quite a while. Uh, so a lot of people don't have time for a full, whole mindful meal because uh, it could be quite an elaborate process when you chew every bite 60 times and you're smelling it and tasting it. And um, I recommend people pick a task that you have to do every day anyway. It's a little shorter, uh, like maybe doing the dishes or brushing your teeth, you know, really engaging those senses, feeling those that the soapy water on your hands and smelling that lemony or orange scent from the soap and looking at those bubbles as they form and inevitably one floats away and you see this little rainbow in it as it spins in the front of the light and then it pops with this little spray of water and you're listening to the sound of the water and the bubbles in the sink. Well, the next thing you know... You've done all the dishes and you've had a mindfulness practice and that mindfulness brings us into that present moment. So if as you're doing that mindful practice, other thoughts intrude, you start thinking about, oh, I hope there's not a lot of traffic or, oh, I have to pack the kids lunch or, oh, I have to just bring yourself back without judgment to that present moment and finish the task at hand. Um, Meditation's different in that, you know, I've talked to so many meditation teachers and practitioners who have said there's just as many different meditation techniques as there are for people. Uh, Everybody I know meditates a little differently, and you and I probably meditate differently. Uh, Some people do a walking meditation. Some people do transcendental meditation. Some people chant. Some people do guided meditation. Uh, I've studied with numerous meditation teachers, and Every time I do one of their classes, I walk away with something different. Meditation to me is just that quiet time to go inside. And sometimes I'm just quieting everything and being there in that moment where you can float away into a million bubbles. And sometimes I do a mini meditation where I'm thinking, inhale, I am, exhale at peace. Sometimes I do a guided. Sometimes I want to talk to some sort of deity or higher power or just my own higher power, my own inner self. Um, It looks so different to so many different people. It's so, so, so true. And I think something you touched upon earlier is that so much of our stress is worrying about what's going to happen, all that anxiety, you know, in the future. And meditation is just a break. (laughs) It's just a time where we don't have to worry about anything. It's a not doing, not a doing. And I think when you turn that corner of that, it's not a have to do, it's a want to do, life gets really so much better, don't you think? I agree, and it's, I'm so type A, and I'm very go, 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 and I'm I'm a dancer, so tell me to sit on a pillow and quiet my brain and still my body, and I feel like I'm in a timeout, like, did I do something wrong? Why are you making me sit here? Uh, So for the longest time, I really fought the whole concept of meditation, and so many people looked at me and said, I think you should meditate, which I think was code for sit down, be quiet, and stop moving so much. Uh, And when I finally learned how to really meditate, no one told me why I should meditate. They just said, you should go do that. Just like, you should stretch, or you shouldn't eat high fructose corn syrup. Well, but why? Uh, And I think, and I try to do this when I explain to people something that I feel is good for them or something that's not good for them, I really try to give the why 
Because I think, in essence, we're all those little kids still where our parent would say we can't do something and we say why, and they say because we said so, and that's just not good enough for us. <laughs> so I really try to explain why I suggest these things. And so when people would say, you should go meditate, I needed the why. So when someone finally showed me truly what meditation could do, I got it. And now I love doing it. I still need to make more time for it. But I love it now that I know really what it is. And so I think you need to find, everyone has to find that in their own way and explore that. But I think it's, you're right, it feels so good. It's such, it's such a break from our, quote, busy days. Um, I think it's just one of the, one of the best things. So when you learned about meditation, was it the scientific piece that convinced you to do it? Or was it that it would find some tranquility? What was it that made you continue with it? It was, um, I I was writing my dissertation on basically mind-body medicine, and I sort of felt like a a liar in some way, because I'm talking about, you know, touting meditation and mindfulness, but I didn't do it. (laughs) I felt sort of like, well, this isn't, this is kind of, you know, I'm talking about being, it would be like doing an article on how great it is to be a vegan, but you're eating meat. You know, it just, it wasn't (laughs) jiving in my, and I am not a vegan, but in any way, just to throw that out there. Um, it, it it seemed somehow insincere to me to be talking about all this mind-body stuff and not do it. And I ended up at Harvard for a week doing a really intensive mind-body program through Herbert Benson's group. And the one woman said, okay, now we're going to meditate. And I thought, oh, no, because I knew I was bad at it. You know, I would just kind of sit there and my mind would wander and I'd itch and, you know, I want to stretch. And, you know, I, it, no one told me how to do it. And she taught the mini meditation, which is the simply inhale, I am, and exhale at peace. And if other thoughts intrude, just acknowledge, oh, okay, I'm thinking, and let them go away. And just that simple technique was basically my gateway drug, essentially, uh, into really seated meditation. And I think it was the starting out that slowly. Um, that, that really got me into it because when I felt that little bit, then I started studying with other people who, you know, really taught me seated meditation. And I, I do silent retreats now and I can sit up for two hours. It's not the most comfortable thing, but I've done, you know, like two hour sessions of silent meditation, which is, it's life changing. It's amazing. And I couldn't have done that before the class at Harvard. That's really impressive. Two hours. Wow. I, um, I still work with many type A women and men, and I usually start them meditating at one minute. Mm-hmm. And when they've got that minute down, we go to two minutes. And somehow that's, they can tolerate that. And I understand because I was always a very type A person too. And I think that when we get this notion of that I'm bad at it out of the way, it just opens the door. And I love also how you said there's a million different types of meditation out there. So it's so great to find the one that resonates for you. Absolutely. And having tried so many, and I can see the benefit of all of them. Uh, and I just studied with a, a different meditation teacher at Harvard. And his he studies like classic Tibetan, like hardcore. <laughs> this is like, this is meditation. Um, it's specifically to commune with, with higher source, period. That's it. It's to reach enlightenment. It's not what you do with the YMCA after yoga for 10 minutes when you just breathe and kind of fall asleep. That to him is sort of bogus meditation. His purpose of meditation is enlightenment, period. That's what he feels it's for. Whereas a lot of people, especially Dr. Benson, considers meditation a relaxing thing. And it's a way to get away from that stress. So everybody has a different theory. And you just have to pick which one works for you. People will tell you there's only one way to do it. I disagree with that. Um, To them, there's only one way. But to me, it's a buffet. And you just have to pick what works for you. 
It's like yoga. You can do everything from rock and roll, power, high intense yoga to restorative, gentle, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the purists freak out that yoga has been distorted. But the truth is, it's been, it's evolving, just like meditation is evolving for our lives now. And we do need different things from it. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so great is that they are finally becoming mainstream, that people have access. I mean, there's so many great apps out there now and yes. so many great classes popping up everywhere. So I'm super, super excited about that. Um, I wanted to talk about daydreams. You you mentioned that in your book, how daydreams affect our stress. Can we delve into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our minds are, are running a mile a minute. And all of us have had those experiences where we're driving down the freeway and we suddenly go, oh, did, did I miss my, where am, did I miss my exit? Because our minds went elsewhere. Or we turned right, which is the way to the office, even on a Sunday when we didn't need to go to the office because we're not mindful, we're mindlessly doing a task. Uh, when we're daydreaming, we're actually programming our brain. And our brain can't recognize the difference between what we're thinking about and imagining and fantasizing about and what is actually happening. This is why we can put ourselves into such a state remembering the car accident, remembering the breakup, remembering the fight we had with someone. We'll actually start to physically feel bad that we said that or whatever it is. Um, To an extreme, it's PTSD. It's being so hypersensitive to those thoughts and those external cues, whether it's a car backfiring or the sound of fireworks or whatever it is, our brain doesn't recognize that that's not actually happening again. So when we're daydreaming, when we're fantasizing about things, I encourage people to really think about the positive. Because the more we fantasize about negative stuff, one, we're going to have a negative physical reaction. We're going to have another fight or flight response. And two, it's, again, leading to more and more negative thoughts. And why would we do that to ourselves? Uh, We worry about all these things and we create these dramas in our brains of, you know, the boss on a Friday afternoon says, I want to talk to you Monday. And all weekend long, you're fantasizing about this negative thing and how he's probably going to fire you. And what if he says you didn't get your reports in? And what, you know, we we worry about these things and we create these scenarios, again, most of which aren't going to happen. And if they are going to happen, we can't stop them. And if we've already built ourselves into this negative drama, we're not going to handle it well. <laughs> it's the difference between us shaking our boss's hand and saying, thank you so much for the opportunity, sir. I'm sorry I'm no longer with the company. And him having to call security because you're freaking out. Uh, this is what we do to ourselves. I would rather go into any situation, and I'm, I'm not perfect at it by any means, Rather go into any situation feeling positive and strong and confident, and that way if something does go awry, I can handle it better. I can respond rather than react. And that's what meditation, mindfulness, all of this does is it trains us to respond rather than just having a knee-jerk reaction because it's it's those reactions that tend to get us in trouble. I want to stress, no pun intended, (laughs) one part. One thing that you said earlier that I think that listeners should really, really think about that something doesn't actually have to happen to make us stress. We just have to think about it happening yep. to make us stressed. Absolutely. That's, and the reverse side, something doesn't have to happen to make us happy. We just have to think about something happening and we can be happy. Right? Yes. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and it's those feelings that we tap into. And and I do a lot of uh, workshops and talking about goal setting and dream fulfillment and that sort of thing. And I can I will do light hypnosis or sort of a guided visualization for people where I actually take them to their goal, whether it's winning the Academy Award or getting that job or meeting that perfect guy or whatever it is, and really build up those feelings and by the end of the meditation or the or the hypnosis session they are so happy they feel so fulfilled they feel like they got it and you are more apt to actually get it when you feel like that and also why wouldn't we want to feel like that sometimes that feeling of having it is better than having it <laughs> you know they would rather have that feeling than actually have the thing anymore uh, which is a which is a great place to be because it's it's those things that can sometimes get us in trouble. But yeah, no, the feeling is so important. And why do we want to relive the funeral over and over and over and over and over again? It's so bad for us. Not to say we shouldn't honor people and we shouldn't, you know, uh, pay homage to our past. But when it becomes our identity, when it is affecting our physiology, then it's it's just a negative thing. So is that what manifesting is? Just yeah. thinking these positive future thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Really feeling it and putting yourself in that present that you have it. And maybe it is doing a vision board or doing something called mental bank or doing, you know, your affirmations and your goal setting. It is that manifestation of already feeling like you have it, being that you're in that space of gratitude of, I already have this thing, I believe leads us to getting that thing. It does sound like the movie The Secret. Mm-hmm. I need to watch that again. <laughs> Except I don't want a car. I remember that was the part of the movie that I couldn't stand. Like, I yeah. want to manifest a car. It was all material stuff. And that's I, several people had that problem. But I think that's because, first of all, we're in a country where that's the way we think. That's how we mark success is I got that thing <laughs> as opposed to I have that feeling or I have that idea or I have that concept. Um, Happiness is a very vague term. Success is a very vague term. And we oftentimes put it in terms of material. And it's also easy to mark. You can check, hey, I got the new car, check off that box. Fulfillment's harder to check off because we don't know exactly what that is. And peace of mind. That's Mm -hmm. my new one lately. Forget happiness, forget everything else. It's just peace of mind. Beautiful. You know, feeling calm and okay is Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Right? Huge. And and for a lot of people, that's a fluid thing. You don't buy peace of mind and go, okay, it's in the driveway now. <laughs> you know, it's, right. That's something that comes and goes. Um, but that's something that is you're in charge of getting back. The car may or may not be taken away from you at some point. It gets scratched. It gets dented. It gets sold. It gets stolen. Peace of mind is yours forever. It's all about the moments. We're going to be going to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about healing modalities and how they're going to help get rid of the stress in our bodies. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, 
Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at healthyhappyandhip.com. Now, back to busy, stressed, and food obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to Kathy Groover, PhD, and we're talking about stress. And we're going to be talking about healing modalities to help us with our stress. Now, I want to share something really interesting with you, Kathy, and our listeners. And I'm really curious your take on this. Uh I haven't shared this before. Um, My mom died about a year ago. And that was kind of after a string of, of other many deaths. You know, we go through these clusters in our lives of just shit happening again and again and again. And I was kind of tired of dealing with grief. And I thought, I'm going to approach grief in a new way that I hadn't done before. And so I went to my body and I thought I studied quite a bit about how trauma gets, you know, lodged in the body and about how it affects the body. So I thought I'm going to work this grief. And I did lots of massage. I did energy healing. I did, you name it, I did it. Any type of work that I could do on my body to move the grief around and out, I did it. And honestly, I think it worked. I think that I really, uh, you know, sure, I was still in pain, but it really helped me move through in a very fluid way. I'm curious if you've done any studies on grief and through body work and anything that you have to say about it. Now, that's a really interesting point. And again, I think we have this wall between body, mind, and spirit, and people think it's three separate things, forgetting that. Our emotions do live in our body, and one of the things that I, I, I'm sure you saw this in the book, I have all these phrases that we say that are connected to body, like my hands are full, I can't stomach this, my heart is breaking, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. You know, there is a very strong connection between our emotions and what's happening in our body. And some people can heal the body through healing the emotions, and some people can do it the other way. Uh, they're intimately connected and I think it's such a neat thing that you did that because it's an, it's an awesome idea and a lot of bodywork techniques and a lot of the mind-body techniques especially some of the energy work like Reiki and therapeutic touch its point is to heal the emotions and the spirit through the body so I think that's phenomenal and I totally believe that worked for you uh, we do hold these things in us there is a cellular memory of that event and I think moving it out of the body is a really excellent idea. And I think people overlook that quite a bit. 
Something worth studying more. Let's talk about some of these modalities. My husband always laughs at me if I say, I'm going to go get energy healing. <laughs> and he's like, you're paying money and somebody doesn't even touch you? And I go, I swear it works. It even works on yeah. the phone. And he gives me that look like, you're out of your mind. So talk about that a little bit. What is energy healing, Reiki, all those type of modalities? Yeah, Reiki is the one that I ended up studying, and there's a slew of them. And when I was researching the different modalities for this book, I came across so many that, you know, I could put just like Reiki, <laughs> because they're all very similar. Uh, Reiki is a hands-on healing technique. Uh, what is a little bit different about Reiki is the energy doesn't come from the practitioner. It comes through the practitioner. So basically, the Reiki practitioner is channeling universal love, universal light, universal healing, God energy, Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And it moves through the practitioner into the person being healed. Now, for all of you very practical, more Western medicine-minded people who heard me just say that and went, oh, here we go, um, it sounds woo-woo. I don't do woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and when people say, oh, that sounds weird, I point out that every cancer center I've ever been to does Reiki, and there's about 90 hospitals around the country that provide Reiki for their patients. Um those types of institutions are not going to be doing something if they have not seen an effect from it. And I have to say, just from my own experience, energy work, just because we don't understand it yet, doesn't mean it's not valid. Um, I know if I push that button on the wall, a light goes on across the room. I don't know how that works, but I know it works. <laughs> um, to me, it's the same thing as the energy healing. I don't know how my hands help that guy's bone break heal quicker but it does and I'm sure there's some scientist or some researcher who can explain how it works I don't know I just know it does um, Reiki heals on all levels of body mind and spirit like you were just talking about with the grief I have had a lot of people come to my office after losing a child after a bad breakup to have a Reiki session to help balance them out and they walk out of my office looking like a different person it works. It's not invasive. A lot of people with cancer can't get massage and body work because there's a risk of it spreading through the body or they're in so much pain they can't have that kind of touch. So things like therapeutic touch and Reiki, uh, even things like Qigong are so great for people who need that kind of healing. Uh, it's something to explore. If you don't like it, don't do it. If you don't like that practitioner, try a different one. Uh, there's endless possibilities with that. But yeah, energy healing is one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things, too, and I'm constantly amazed at the power of it. And I actually find it more powerful than a massage, which is something, again, that I people do here and they go, what? But I've sent people and they come back and then they believe, too. And I, I really would love to learn about what is going on there because it, it doesn't make sense. It does sound so woo-woo, but until you try it, you just won't believe it. But let's talk about some of these other healing modalities. What are some other ones that you've either experienced or practiced or recommend? Mm -hmm. um, of course, one of my favorites is massage because I've been doing that for 25 years. Uh, we have a pretty good working knowledge of what massage is. So that's that's pretty, we all know that one. Um, you know, EFT, and, and you guys talked, we talked a little bit about that before we got on the air. EFT is emotional freedom technique, and it's tapping. So you tap on certain parts of the head, certain parts of the side of the hand, and it reprograms. Basically, it's sort of like the control-alt-delete for the body. And it's nothing that I've 
that I practice. I learned how to use it and it just didn't jive with the practice that I had built up. But I have a lot of clients who have been able to not only get rid of pain, but also stop ha- bad habits like smoking or overeating um, by using EFT, different anxieties that have disappeared by using this tapping technique. It's really kind of fascinating. And again, I'm sure somebody with a different background would be able to explain exactly how that works. Um, but it, it seems to. And the people who are EFT practitioners and tapping practic- practitioners, they love it. And they get incredibly good results. I have a hypnotherapy friend of mine who does tapping before his smoking cessation problem. And he has the most incredible results I've ever seen. They are basically non-smokers before he even gets them in the, in the hypnosis chair. Um, so, yeah, tapping is something that's really, really great. Um Breathwork. I just want to, before you go on, tapping is super, super popular right now. And there's a lot of videos on YouTube if anyone is interested in trying it. It's it's not that hard to learn. Again, I've heard varying results, but the people who do it do swear by it. So you might want to just go on YouTube and check that out. Yeah. And what's so great about these techniques, Lisa, is there's there's no side effects. (laughs) <laughs> it's typically you don't need a prescription. They're usually not expensive. I mean, you could, like you said, you can look at a YouTube video and learn to do really basic tapping. You know, this stuff is probably not going to hurt you. Um, if you get into things like herbs and chemicals and stuff like that, that you can have an interaction with. But for the most part, a lot of these mind-body techniques, you know, Reiki is not going to do any harm to you. Uh Although I did have some very bad Reiki experiences, I will tell you that. And I I think I'm a person who's very sensitive to other people's energy. Mm -hmm. And if that practitioner was in a bad mood, I would pick up their bad energy. Sure. So you want to know the person you're getting your Reiki from. Absolutely. But you figure that's with anything. If your dentist is in a bad mood or if your surgeon is being a jerk or, you know, we were sensitive to that. regardless of whether it's alternative practitioners or not. We tend to be more sensitive to it if they're an alternative practitioner because it's a different relationship. Uh, But yeah, that's true. You want to be very specific about who puts their hands on you. Uh, Just from a relationship standpoint, you know, I've met some practitioners who are really creepy and they're very predatory and they want to take advantage and, you know, steer clear of those people in any profession. Uh, But especially if someone's going to put their hands on you, you don't need their junk. That's, that's, That's not good. Yeah. Exactly. Very, very good point. Um, you know, there's the, the list is endless. There's breath work, which can be amazing. Everything from rebirthing to the warrior breath to the five-stage breath. Uh, a lot of people use breath as an intro to meditation, which I think is fabulous. You know, if nothing else, you're getting oxygen to the parts of the body, which we need. So many of us breathe shallowly and we're holding our breath. I have a habit of doing that. You know, I'll suddenly realize I haven't breathed in a while. And you do this big inhale and this sigh. That's a sign of holding your breath or shallow breathing and doing different breathing techniques can help with that. Um, let's, do, let's do that right now. Let's do a breathing technique, a short one. Uh, okay. Because um, okay, we all so- need it. We do all need it. Okay, so this is the square breath. So I'm going to have you guys visualize just a little bit. Uh, If you're driving, please just drive and don't do what I'm about to tell you. Uh, (laughs) So on the inhale, because you're going to picture a square in front of you, and on the inhale, you're going to draw that first line of the square and then get to the corner, and then the next line of the square. That's on the inhale. And then on the exhale, you're going to complete the square. You're going to go down and back across to where you started. So inhale, side, side exhale, side, side. Um, It not only helps you control your breath, but it gives you a visualization too. So it's harder for other thoughts to intrude if you're visualizing that square. Um, Some people like to actually draw the square 
in front of them like you could just use your finger you can be in it, sitting in a board meeting and have your hand on your lap and be doing a square breath and no one needs to know <laughs> uh, some people like to draw it on the roof of their mouth with their tongue that just makes me tickle and then I have to make Felix Unger like <laughs> sounds to make it stop so I don't do that uh, but breath works amazing and there's so many different breathing techniques everything from you know an hour of doing really intense breath work to what I just said, which is the square breathing um, or counting. Some people, you know, you do an inhale for 10, hold it for 10, do an exhale for 10. Uh, some amazing techniques. And a lot of people don't like breath work. I'm really bad at it <laughs> because I'm used to shallow breathing as a dancer. We're supposed to hold our stomachs tight and breathe in our chest. Uh, so breath work is difficult for me, but I've I've gotten better. I've gotten better. <laughs> I used to hate breath work too, and now I love it. I'm still doing the little square thing right now. In fact, I think I'm going to have to borrow that and teach that oh, to yeah. my peeps. I really like that. And I think like with anything, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Absolutely. And you do start to see the benefits. And I think that's one of the disadvantages of natural health and alternative therapies and complementary therapies. We're so used to Western medicine where it's like, I have a headache. I take an Advil. I feel great. Um, it doesn't work that immediately necessarily with natural medicine. I mean, things like homeopathics and herbs, they take longer to work. You know, you're not going to meditate once for 15 minutes and be like, I'm enlightened. Uh, <laughs> it takes a little bit longer. And and I think we lose patience with that. I think we expect it to work so quick and we don't want to have to work at it. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too. Uh, there are times I want the Advil and I don't want to sit down and meditate. Uh, but I think we have to give it a shot and don't negate it before you've truly given it a chance to see if it works for you. And if you think about it, we can go... I think it's approximately four weeks without food, four days without water, but only four minutes without air. So we need that air. We need to get more of it into our bodies. And doing the breath work, I totally agree. Perfect gateway to meditation. So we're actually coming to the end of the show. And Kathy, I want to let you tell viewers where they can find more info about you and your book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the best place is I've got two websites. Um, the the one for sort of general health stuff is thealternativemedicinecabinet.com. And all five of my books are there. You can also get customized visualization. There's a couple lectures you can buy. I have a massage DVD, which teaches you how to do massage at home. And that's thealternativemedicinecabinet.com. And then my other site is kathygroover.com. And that's really my speaking site. I've had the privilege of doing workshops around the world and that's just one of my main passions is going and speaking i'm about to do my first tedx talk and i'm so excited about that so, so exciting a, oh i'm so thrilled it's such an honor to be on a ted stage and i i just it's such a huge deal to me so i'm very excited about that and so if you need a speaker for a, you know workshops or events or for your company i do corporate stress training so it's kathygroover.com and i'm on youtube and facebook and come connect with me and and i'll answer any questions if i can well, thanks so much for joining us today. I could keep talking with you all day long. I think this is fascinating, and I just really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Lisa, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, listeners. It's been great chatting about stress today. Come visit me at healthyhappyandhip.com. Yes, that's healthyhappyandhip.com. Drop me a note. I'd love to hear what you'd like to hear on future shows. And if you're interested in joining us on Eat to Thrive and start feeling really great, text 44144, enter the word healthy. That's 44144 on your phone, enter the word healthy, and have a super great day. Take care. We hope. 
hope you've enjoyed today's episode on busy, stressed, and food obsessed. Did you get some great ideas from today's show? Join Lisa Lutan again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.